When I was packing for my first ONA last year, I was stressed about what to wear. Should I bring a blazer? Did I own a blazer? Would sandals be okay? I wasn't a full-time journalist yet. I was working as a university administrator in my last career where I spent almost 15 years. I was used to a dress-down look, pretty informal. So when Priscilla Villarreal, also known as La Gordiloca, mentioned buying a suit for her first ONA, I felt seen. I put on my suit on and, and walked down, and when, as soon as I got in here, I was like, everybody's in sandals. I was like, Shinga, I would have been more comfortable in my daily clothes, right? But <laughs> I'm Andrea Gutierrez, and this is ONA On Air. In this episode, we're talking about journalism newcomers, where they come from, how to support them, and how to recruit beyond the usual pathways. We'll come back to Priscilla and her new suit in a bit. But first, we check in with someone who's worked for a long time with journalists new to the industry. Michelle Johnson, Associate Professor of Multimedia Journalism at Boston University and co-chair of the Student Newsroom and Innovation Lab at ONA. Hi, Michelle. Good Thanks morning. For Good morning. Tell me, where are we right now and what's going on here? Well, actually, we're in the Student Newsroom right now and it's pretty much empty. There's one other mentor in the room, but we came in this morning to take a look at the setup. The students will be arriving later this afternoon and through the evening. What are they going to get started on? Well, essentially, they've already started working. <laughs> We've been actually planning this for several months now, and they've been in touch with the mentors they've been assigned to. So they've started work on advanced stories. They've started work on stories they'll be covering during the conference. So, you know, once we hit the ground, we just start running. We're all prepared to take off. How long have you been involved with the student newsroom? Oh my God, it's been so long, I've forgotten the exact number of years, honestly. Um, this is probably my eighth or ninth, somewhere in there. <laughs> can't really, see, that's what happens when you get old. You forget stuff. <laughs> Why did you get involved? Um, I actually am a longtime um, student project mentor. I started out at the National Association of Black Journalists um, way back in the 80s. I've also done student projects for the Hispanic Journalist Association, for the Lesbian and Gay Association, for the American Society of what back then was newspaper editors. Um, and then I've also been working with young people in our high school project in Boston for many years, which was founded by the Dow Jones Fund. So, you know, I got involved because I was a Dow Jones intern myself, and a lot of people helped me during the, you know, along my path, and I just thought, well, you know, I'm just going to pay it back. I need to work with some young people. So I've been doing that for a lot of years, a lot of years. What's changed in the student newsroom since you've started as a mentor? Well, I would say the amazing amount of technology that we have access to. The computers have gotten better over the years. The cameras have gotten very fancy, whatever recording equipment we have, or things like um, some of the mentors sometimes bring 360 cameras, so we do 360 video. It's just, um, you know, I remember the old days when we had like little computers and little USB sticks, you know, USB drives that we would save things onto. You know, the stuff that we have now is just, it's light years ahead of where we started. And in fact, early on, a lot of the students just brought their own gear. How have the students themselves changed over that time? Yeah, I would say um, it's kind of the same thing that's changed about most young people at this age. And I know this from being a college professor. They're more visual than they used to be. And I think it's, you know, the sort of the Instagram generation, you know, they're not so much into 
longer text. So, you know, we get some students who really want to just focus on, you know, video and um, photos and kind of telling stories visually. But then we also have some who also still love writing. So that hasn't completely gone away in this generation, but I do think that the work that we produce as a newsroom has become more visual. Do you think that ONA, that the recruiters, the folks that are here who are working in the industry have adapted to that, I guess those kinds of interests that the, the young people have? Or like what is, do you, do you think they're finding a place once they're on the job market? Yes, I will say that that's one of the things that we have definitely noticed. Students who come through this newsroom tend to get hired, and they tend to get hired by some very good news organizations. For one thing, they have to make a cut to get into this room. There's a very hot, good applicant pool for this program. It's one of the best that I, you know, I work with. I do a lot of projects, and we get some of the best applications. So if an employer comes in this room and sees a student in this room, they know we've already vetted them. So they're more willing to make them an offer to bring them as, as, as an intern or, you know, a first year, you know, early hire type of, type of thing. So it is, there's a major advantage to kind of just getting into this room because there will be people who will come in here looking for that kind of talent. What brings you back, keeps you coming back to do this? Oh, my God, it's so much fun. <laughs> Honestly, the mentors who work on this are some, some really great, fun people. They're really committed to working with these young people. You know, the students themselves just, they're always, like, bouncing off the walls with ideas. We always try, so, you know, we have stories, you know, from years, from years past. It's just amazing to be someplace that's just so upbeat. You know, I go to some conferences where everybody's kind of down because the industry's down. This is not one of those conferences. <laughs> Everybody here seems to be in a good mood. So it's one of the reasons I love ONA in general, plus, you know, the student newsroom. So earlier this week, Rebecca Carroll, mm -hmm. she's a writer and host at WNYC, um, <laughs> she tweeted something that, that really, like, stuck in my mind. She said, I started my career in journalism and media thinking that I could help change the industry's racial and cultural landscapes. There have been small victories along the way, but not without a cost at nearly every turn. She said this in reference to an article she wrote about being a black woman in media. Thinking of your student mentees, thinking of kind of what you're, what you're here to do in the student newsroom, what do you pull from your experience and your knowledge of what it is to be in this industry, to be a person of color in the industry, what you hear from other folks, and kind of like the realities of, of that for, for young people who are probably thinking, I want to go in and change the racial and, and cultural landscape of journalism. Yeah, you know, I sort of feel like that's been part of my life's work is to get this industry to be more diverse. And it's also part of the reason I got involved with the student projects. When I took over as chair and then co-chair, of the newsroom, one of the things that we put at the top of our agenda was, we want a, news, a student newsroom that looks like America. If you walk in here later today, you'll see a range of people in this room. Not so much that you, something that you would see in a, you know, a working professional newsroom. We strive to do that every single year with the mix of students that we select as well as the mentors. We want the students to look like the country. We want them to walk into this room and see people who look like them as well. We want to cover stories that are of interest to those communities. So it's honestly at the top of our agenda. We do a lot of things as we train students in this program. But among those things is to create a diverse atmosphere so that they can see, oh, 
this is how you set this up. This is how it operates. This is how it is when different people are in the room and different people have different voices. Because they may not be getting that where they come from. What kinds of questions do students ask about being people of color in the industry, about being LGBTQ, about being, I guess, basically not what the mainstream probably has been for a long time? Well, they have a number of issues. One of them is that sometimes they don't necessarily want to be the spokesperson for the entire race, you know, for the entire group. And how do you handle that when you maybe say, no, I really don't want to do that story? In other cases, they're like really gung-ho to, you know, get out there and cover those issues. And they're worried that they're just going to maybe be a little bit pigeonholed, but they're worried about, well, how is that going to come across? So they want to talk about, well, you know, how do I pitch those kind of stories? They're just thrilled to see other people who do what it is that they do. So, you know, we just have a chance to sit down with them and say, hey, look, I've been where you are. You know, here's what I did when that happened. And hopefully, you know, they feel like they've learned something from uh, from being in touch with us. So I'll tell you a little bit of my own story. Mm-hmm. I'm this is my I'm new as a full time journalist. So this is my second ONA. Last year I was in my last career, which was working in higher education for 15 years. I was on the staff side. I was working in student affairs and mm-hmm. kind of had hit my limit in that in that career and was ready to change and do something different. Now I'm working in public radio. So, of course, I'm always interested in seeing students because they have been part of my life for a long time. But I don't have J school training. When I finished undergrad 15 years ago, a lot of the structures, a lot of the programs, a lot of the opportunities that exist now didn't exist then. So to use public radio as an example, I don't think the internships were paid then. I know that the Croc Fellows didn't exist then, which is a paid fellowship. Also, I didn't grow up listening to public radio, so I didn't really know much about it at the time. So I had to kind of find my own pathway to get in. And I think of different people who uh, may be here at ONA, who, who could be here, who are working in journalism in different ways, who had a more circuitous pathway to getting into journalism, working in media. I'm wondering if you can speak to a little bit more of, you know, for recruiters who are here, organizations who are talking about diversity, inclusion, equity, you know, how they can think beyond just recruiting from J school grads, recruiting from people who had certain opportunities right now, who may be people who are outside of that that didn't have it at another time in their lives. Part of what I also do for Boston University is go to conferences, and I'm, I'm the person sitting in the booth doing the recruiting for our graduate programs. And I will occasionally have someone come up to me and say, you know, well, I have no journalism background, but I've done X, Y, and Z, and I'm interested in such and such. And we'll sit and we'll talk, and I'll see how curious are they, you know, what, if they're interested in the world and news. And I'm like, well, okay, you would probably make a really good candidate for us. That's the same thing for any employer. If you can find somebody who has that curiosity and the drive and, you know, the right attitude, you can take them and bring them into a newsroom and sort of shape them and get them up to speed um, as well as you can with somebody who just came out of J school. You know, it's really about them having the, the right attitude and drive and interest to be able to do that. And you have to be open to that, you know, because we're so focused on, does this person have a degree, what they major in, and then the students are all focused on their GPAs. I have never hired anybody off of a GPA. I don't care what, you know, what their grades were in school. I'm more interested in, well, okay, did you cover that story, or, you know, did you, um, were you interested enough to follow up and find out about this issue in your community? And I think that's what the recruiters need to be focused on as well. You know, look a little broader. You never know what you're going to find out there. 
Michelle Johnson is the co-chair of the Student Newsroom and Innovation Lab at ONA. She is also Associate Professor of Multimedia Journalism at Boston University. Thanks for chatting, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Somehow, I got it in my head in the last five years or so that I wanted to tell stories with sound. I was working at a public university, and I had a lot of downtime to listen to radio and podcasts, and I thought, hey, I want to tell stories like that. The only question was, how do I get from here, in the academic world, where I'd spent so much of my life, to there, in journalism? I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, went to many conferences and trainings, and even spent my Saturdays learning audio production for a semester. And earlier this year, I landed my first audio job as an apprentice at KPCC in Los Angeles. The path to journalism can be long and winding. And sometimes that path doesn't look like what you expect. Sometimes you get your start hanging out in your Texas border town and you witness the aftermath of a police shooting. You film it, upload it to Facebook, and it goes viral. That's what happened to Priscilla Villarreal. Remember her? AKA La Gordiloca. So when that video was uploaded, I started getting messages from people around my city, hey, you should start reporting on accidents around our city. And I started doing so. And that's how I started, you know, getting my following. And less than two and a half years, maybe three, I went up to about 80, 90,000 viewers. If you don't follow La Gordiloca already, she has a website, but she's most active on Facebook. You might have heard about her on Latino USA or in the New York Times. She drives around Laredo in her truck, live-streaming car accidents, police encounters, and her own unfiltered, raw commentary. She's even run afoul of the law herself, a testament to her DIY approach that's outside the usual journalism institutions. Priscilla was invited to speak at the ONA 19 conference this year on a panel titled, Who's Local News? Online Avenues to Trust with Diverse Audiences. And let me tell you, I was really excited about this. She's a kindred spirit who took the long road to journalism. But she wasn't even sure she should come to ONA. But everybody in my city was like, you have to go, you have to go. Can I answer, how many people told you you have to go? 135,000. <laughs> <laughs> I chatted with Priscilla, La Gordiloca, after her session. My name is Priscilla Virel, also known as La Gordiloca. I'm from Laredo, Texas. I'm a freelance reporter. been doing this for about four years now. Nothing planned. I'm not educated with the journalism background or anything. It just happened, you know. And um, I'm here because I was invited. I was invited to be a guest speaker here at, the, at this conference. When you posted that first video, you mentioned the first video that you had posted on La Gordiloca. Could you have ever imagined that this would have happened, that you'd be here now? No, I never did. I never imagined myself to be here or any other places. Like what happened on Tuesday, I got invited to Austin. I was in a meeting and uh, Warner Brothers, Lionsgate and CBS are interested in, in talking to me for, I mean, for a movie, for a book, for a TV series and whatnot. I never expected to be in this position from then to now. Did you have other thoughts for what you wanted to do when you were younger? No, I really didn't. I mean, it's just, I was living on a day-to-day -day basis. I was a troublemaker back when I was a child. I really didn't have anything planned. And um, this was accidental, you know, and it happened and it, 
basically got me to where I'm at right now. You mentioned that you've been mentored. You have a mentor. Who's your mentor? I have several mentors. Marisa Rodriguez Limon, she's a local journalist, um, news reporter in Laredo, Texas, who has taught me along the way how to say things when posting on social media about, you know, news happening in our city, um, like it is being said, I am being told, um, you know, stuff like that. So I won't get in trouble when posting stuff on, on social media. She's one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Carlos Benavides, and and basically the whole city. I mean, the whole city mentors me. You know, when I'm doing something wrong, I get messages from all walks of life, you know. Uh, you're doing good, you're doing great, and I get those bad messages as well. Like, hey, you need to quit your shit, stuff like that, you know. But, I mean, I've learned along the way of how things should be done and uh, be sensible to some of the things that I post on, on my page. Have you had people say to you, I want to do what you're doing? I, you're inspiring a of, me. A lot of people. A lot of people around the world, a lot of people in my city. There's a lot of teenagers and students who look up to what I do, and I'm glad they do. And it just comes to show that, you know, you follow your dreams. You, anybody can make it, you know. Anybody can make it. I, what was thought what I thought originally was impossible is really not. And then last thing I'm going to ask is what are you looking forward to the rest of the conference or while you're in New Orleans? Learning a little bit about everybody's, everyone else's, you know, um, feedback on what I do and then myself learning a little bit about what others do and this type of career that they have got to, you know, they've gone through studying this, going to school for it, college and whatnot. And like others that walked up to me and they said, you're very inspiring because you weren't taught this. You weren't trained to do this. It just came out. I mean, it, it was, how do you say it? Um, it was just something that happened, you know, on my end. Cordeloca, it's really amazing meeting you. Thank you. I appreciate and I appreciate um, you reaching out to me and to everybody listening in. Thank you all. La Gordiloca signing off. Bueno, bye. After I packed my mics away, La Gordiloca noticed I was chewing gum. True to form, she had been live streaming during the panel. Her camera pointed at the audience and me in the front row. Apparently, her followers had been commenting on me and my chewing gum in the front row. I don't think I'll look at the comments. And that's it for ONA On Air. This episode was produced by me and edited by the wonderful, the patient, La Mas Chingona, Erica Aguilar. I'm Andrea Gutierrez. Take care.